listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. Alright man, another edition of the Quarantine Podcast, and once again, from the jump, we want to you know, apologize for any audio imperfections. Obviously, we're doing this podcast remotely due to the current circumstances. We're making do with what we have, but we do try our best to deliver uh, the best audio we possibly could. But we do want to apologize if there are any issues whatsoever. With that being said, uh, we're going to be continuing off of what we did in last week's episode where we basically we broke down ESPN's top 10 list of the all-time greatest players the only difference is that this time we're going to be giving you guys our top 10 players in the nba right now in the year 2020 who do we believe are the top 10 players in the league now again we each have our own list so we're going to be giving doing that for the first part of the podcast episode the second part of the episode we're going to be again continuing off of what we did last week spoiler if you should also check out last week's episode yeah, it was a good episode for us, if you haven't done so already. But we're going to be doing another redraft of a lottery. This time, we're going to be redrafting the 2012 draft lottery. So we'll be obviously doing both those two things, and then obviously concluding with the up and under segment. So jam-packed episode this week. So without any further ado, let's jump right into this. So we're going to be starting off with our top 10 players in the league today rankings. Now, obviously, we each have our our own list. Um, so we'll start off with, obviously, number one. And this is consensus between both Zijan and I. We feel the best player in the world right now is LeBron James. Yeah, um, to be honest, like, even though he's age 35 now, and uh, even though, you know, you had people last year saying, um, you know, I think, pro- uh, like, a lot of people, uh, to be honest, were saying, oh, at this point, KD surpassed LeBron and all of that. For me, the thing is, I got to see it actually happen. And, I mean, you know, like, obviously, KD beat Braun in the last two finals. But I think we can all say for sure that was a very lopsided, you know, uh, uh, matchup between both LeBron and KD's teams. You know, KD had a vastly superior team. Uh, there's no way, bro, you put, like, LeBron on... It doesn't matter who you have. Replace LeBron with, like, Michael Jordan, bro. They're still not being the Warriors, man. They're not going to beat the Warriors with the teams that the Cavs had. Um, obviously, last year... Or, I guess, he, he was on the Lakers last year. Um, but the Lakers roster and then the Cavs rosters. So, I haven't seen KD actually beat LeBron in a more fair matchup i think and for me i think like just watching lebron and especially you saw in the last two games where he went up against Giannis and Kawhi, um he's still for me uh the best player in the world yeah even for me like again like you brought up the fact that lebron was just facing a stacked warriors team and then you add kevin durant to that mix like it it just wasn't a fair representation of LeBron's greatness and we're seeing it this season how LeBron has completely reinvented himself for probably like the third time in his career and is now is in the MVP conversation once again now again Kevin Durant has did not play this season but it's been clear that LeBron is still the best player in the world and there's not much of a debate like you put anybody in the league against LeBron LeBron is winning nine times out of nine times out of ten. So, if yeah, if it's a fair matchup. Yeah. Now again, as I said in those last two games, he went up against Giannis in and Milwaukee, and then Kawhi and the Clippers. And in both games, they resoundingly beat both teams on a back. Or I don't know if it was back to back, but it was back to back games. It was it was you know one game after the other. It was probably um, over a weekend, but. Yeah, exactly. So, and in those games, you saw LeBron personally, you know, whereas before people always were like, oh, LeBron doesn't take these matchups personal in the regular season. Well, this time he did. He took that matchup against Giannis personal. And every time that Giannis had LeBron on him, he wasn't doing anything. And for the most part, Kawhi, when LeBron had him, when uh, LeBron was on him, wasn't doing that much either. He had a few good moments here and there. And obviously, that's Kawhi's a great player too. You can't deny that. But for the most part, LeBron was really making those guys work, especially Giannis. Um, so I think you just look at that. 
um, and how he's been playing this season, I think for both of us, he has to be at at the top. I mean, yeah, hands down, he is he's the best player in the world right now. I I don't think many people are gonna argue with that. What is an argument is the is our picks for the second best player in the league right now. Now, in my opinion, I feel like Kawhi Leonard is the second best player in the world right now. The reason why I say that, obviously, last season was a great indicator. Kawhi went on probably a Michael Jordan-esque playoff run and absolutely dominated, was the best player in the league for that stretch, won his second championship, won another finals MVP award. And Kawhi is, again, the best two-way player in the league right now, especially when he actually tries and he's decently healthy. We've seen it up close as Raptor fans how great of a player Kawhi is. And again, this is no disrespect to Kevin Durant, but I want a player who right now is playing his best ball and Kawhi is playing his best ball. And I don't know how well Kevin Durant is going to be playing after he comes back from his injury and that he's on a different team. So right now for me, the second best player in the world is Kawhi, but you have someone else. Well, okay, so for us, pretty much it was, we had Kawhi and KD, and it was switched for us. So obviously, Hani had Kawhi at number two, and KD at number three. I have a switch, so I have KD at number two, and Kawhi at number three. I will agree with you on the last point you made about, you know, the injury. Obviously, um, we'll see how he comes back, especially the next season after, uh, in, in two seasons, pretty much, we'll see how KD plays. So I will give you that. I don't know how great he's going to be after the injury. Also new team. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree with you on that point. Um, I will say though that the, the conversation between, I think for both of us for two and three is very close. So like, it is I don't close, have a problem yeah. with, I don't, I don't have a problem with if you put Kawhi over uh, KD. Cause I think the, the discussion between the two is just that close. If we're being honest. I mean, it's probably um, like two A, two B kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, for me, I would say the reason why I have KD over there, um, is just the fact that, especially the one thing you could hold him to was that he wasn't as good of a defender at the time as like, for example, you know, um, LeBron James at the time, um, what back when we were talking about like the OKC days, but especially once he got to Golden State, he got, he became much better of a defender. And if you even remember, um, you know, in his, in his Golden State years, he was even, pretty much their main rim protector at that point because they were running with no centers. Um, so he got massively better on the defensive end and literally became one of the best two-way players um, in the NBA where before he had not been able to do that because of his, you know, defensive uh, inefficiencies. And he, he had become a lot better of a defender. And also you, fact, you factor in the, um, you know, the point that, to be honest, KD might be the most talented offensive player we've ever seen. Um, I think for me, I would say that he is the most talented player I've ever seen on the offensive end. So I think him, just how great he is offensively, and also the fact that how good of a defensive player he is now as well, I think would solidify him as my number two. But again, Kawhi at number two, I don't really have a problem with that. Kawhi is my number three, so kind of exactly like a 2A, 2B kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, like, again, Kevin Durant, like, you were talking about how he's one of the most talented offensive players to probably ever play the game. I mean, I've heard, I think, I've heard this probably on commentary somewhere, but basically Kevin Durant has guard, he's a seven-footer with guard-like handles, and he can shoot from anywhere on the floor, you know. Like yeah, exactly. That's range. literally what Stephen A says all the time. Yeah, so. so, I mean, like, Kevin Durant is, again, a an amazing, an amazing talented, an talented player, but again, I do have to I have to say one thing about your defensive point because Kawhi, if I'm gonna have to pick the best one on one defender, I think Kawhi is the best one on one defender because I think he can guard the all all five positions. Although Kevin Durant can, but oh uh, four 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 I would say four. Kevin Durant can probably guard four positions, but if we're asking talking about all five positions, Kawhi can guard all five positions. Four, I would say four. No, not, not, he can like, he can guard point guards, if, man. If you put no, if you put Embiid on Kawhi, I think Embiid, you can't, Kawhi is not going to stop Embiid in the post. I mean, but I don't think neither Kevin Durant can do it either, so. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying Kevin Durant, I will say defensively, their games are a bit different because they're asked to play different kind of things. Kawhi is more of a perimeter player defensively, and KD was asked more of to be a room protector. So yeah. I think you can make the argument for both players, but I think, um, 
it's kind of iffy because of the fact that they're two defensive, they're two different players defensively as well. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I give Kawhi Leonard the slight edge just based off what he's been doing recently. But Kevin Durant is definitely very close in that in that regard. So that's why he's my he's my number three pick. So obviously we we brought up our second and third picks in our rankings, which brings us to the fourth, our fourth pick in our rankings, which we actually agree upon as well. And fourth who, and fifth. Fourth and fifth picks actually who we agree upon. And actually the fourth pick might be might become higher if he continues to improve. And we're talking about Giannis. Now Giannis has obviously he's won the MVP last season and he's right now the Bucks team his Bucks team is currently on pace for in a fantastic NBA season, probably historic. They were on pace for historic levels of uh, wins. Um, and Giannis was definitely locked in for another opportunity to uh, get his to get another MVP award as well. So again, not much to say. He's just a freak of nature. The seven footer, he can literally take three strides and get to the basket. Uh, and if he adds that jump shot, it's gonna be game over. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I mean, for us, obviously, you know, we talked about Giannis a lot. Obviously, he's he's the MVP favorite, or at least was before, like you know, the final week of the season. Um, for you know, the the favorite for the MVP. Obviously, he's only like twenty three right now, so he will be very quickly uh the best player in the NBA. You know, in in uh, probably the next like three four years. Um, yeah, Giannis is just a monster, defensive player of the year candidate. MVP, you know, he's he's just doing his thing. He's added a mid-range shot now, you know, he's added a bit of post-game. If he can get the three-point shot to come around, he's going to be crazy. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Giannis. We have him at number four. Uh, at the number five position, we both have James Harden. Um, I think the argument for both of us is the same, you know, just historically great offensive player, you know, can drop literally 50 on you every night if you wanted to. Um Obviously, the I mean, inefficiency. Uh, yeah, exactly. Obviously, the efficiency isn't pretty, but if you're attempting like thirty shots a night, it's it's not really gonna always be pretty. Um, but the point is, like, bro, it is. People always point out the fact that he takes like th- that many shots and stuff, but it is a skill and a talent in itself to be able to get that many shots off. You know, because at some point you're gonna be tired, and the defense, the defense is gonna be up on you, and that that's like i think the argument that people have about kobe too um you know oh he took this many shots to get this many points it is a skill and talent in itself in the nba to be able to get that many shots off so i think if we're talking about again james harden one of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen and if you want to talk about talk about defense obviously he's not the greatest defender but the narrative about him being a you know terrible defender has passed if you actually watch the games he's at the very least, an average defender at this point, you know. So I don't think you can point to the narrative about him, um, you know, being a garbage defender anymore. Yeah, I mean, like again, there's James Harden. Is you said it, like he's one of he's puts up historic scoring numbers, and he's just one of the like he can, he just scores to finds ways to score the ball. Like again, it doesn't always look pretty, but if when you're looking at a player who just gets it done. And no matter what you do, if you put like any defender on him, he is going to break you down, and he's going to find a way to get to the basket, draw, absorb contact, either and finish, or he will step back and shoot a three over you, and nail it. So, you know, you can say what you want, but James Harden is a top five player in this league, and there's no question he should be he should be number five on this list. Which brings yeah, um. Yeah, which brings yeah, us to I, I was just going to say pretty much, uh, I think from here on out, our lists are a bit different. Yeah. Um, From f- 6 to 10, pretty much. So I guess if you want to say your next, like, five players, because we're kind of running out of time a bit, too. Yeah. So if you want to say your next five players, and then I can say mine, then we can kind of discuss that. Okay, yeah. So obviously for me, like, again, this is very heavily opinionated as well. So I just want to point that out 100%. So for me, obviously, my sixth pick is Damian Lillard. My seventh pick is Steph Curry. My eighth pick is Anthony Davis. My ninth pick is Paul George. And my tenth pick is... It was a toss-up between Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic, but I'm leaning more towards Luka Doncic. So, I guess, obviously, the main, you know, alarming part about my list is the fact that I have Damian Lillard over Steph Curry. And if you've heard me in previous episodes, personally speaking, 
I think Damian Lillard is the better is a better player than Stephen Curry. I don't, and I think they're pretty much like for me personally, I think they're even. But if I had to put one over the other, I would personally take Dame over Curry. Not saying that Curry is bad. I'm not disrespecting Curry whatsoever, but I prefer Dame. And I think as point guards, these two are the best in the league, which is why they're six and seven. Anthony Davis, the the reason why he's below Damon Curry is really for the fact that uh, Anthony Davis really hasn't single-handedly led his teams to wins in the, in the same way that Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry do. And again, a lot of it's not his fault. It's a guards league now. But, you know, I can't ignore that part. But Anthony Davis is still very talented in this league. Paul George, similar similar situation, very talented. Uh, just hasn't won enough to be higher on this list. But the most interesting player on this list, I think, in my opinion, is Luka Doncic. I think he is has emerged as as a top ten player in this league. He can score, he can pass, uh, he can shoot. You know, he's already established himself as one of the best young players in the league right now. The only thing that he needs to probably work on, which I think he could get better at, is his defense. But if you're talking about offensively and being a franchise leader on his team at such a young age, Luca is just absolutely fantastic. So that's kind of my, how my list shaped out. Yeah, so for me, I will say um, I think the the Curry, obviously I've said that I feel like Curry's a better player than Dame. But yeah, if we're talking about the best two point guards, um, you know, they're both there. So for me, um, I have Steph at my number six spot, AD at seven, Dame at the eighth spot. We both had PG Paul George at the ninth spot, and then obviously our tenth, uh, our tenth uh, picks are different. I have Nicole Jokic. You have Luka Doncic. So obviously, I talked about you know the Curry Dame debate. We've had this debate before, but for me, I'd have Curry over Dame. Um, I do have AD over Dame as well because you know the the argument is there about you know Dame has led his team to further success in the playoffs. But my thing is that. AD's teams were kind of garbage, if we're being honest. Like, they were hot garbage. Um, and then also the fact that the the one thing that you have to massively put over Dame for AD is the fact that AD is one of the best defenders in the league, while Dame is, you know, a subpar defender, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, like, AD is he will probably win the Defensive Player of the Year award this year, not to mention the fact that he can give you, you know, 30 a night if you want to, which is why I have him higher than Dame on my list. Um, we both had PG at nine, uh, you know, talking about PG, one of the best two-way defender, probably like a top five two-way player in the league, you know, can give you 30 a night, lock up the best perimeter player. And then the, the interesting one was, uh, our difference between Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. For me, I don't know, maybe I guess I, I want to show some love to the big man, but Nikola Jokic is one of the most all-around offensive talents especially for a big man that we've ever seen in the league. You know, you're talking about a guy that can score, you know, 20, 25 points, um, leads his team on offense in, you know, all categories pretty much, runs their offense from the big man spot. Um, I think compared to Luka, the one thing, Luka is great already, but the thing is for me, I can't put him in my top 10 just because of the fact that he hasn't done anything yet uh, in terms of winning in, in the league. And obviously he's only in second year, which is fine. But that's that's literally why I can't put him in my top ten yet. But yeah, um, I think some honorable mentions. I think we can say um, outside of our top ten, if we're gonna rank our list outside of the top ten, these guys would be there at like the eleven to fifteen spots. Um, Joel Embiid, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler. Those guys are all deserving. Um, and to be honest, even if you know people put them in in the top ten list. I can't really disagree with any of those guys being in your top 10. So, um, yeah, it's all about a matter. It's it's all about, you know, opinions. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, overall, I guess a lot of the... A lot of this is your own opinion as well of who you believe is a better player. Again, the numbers can definitely help in factoring your decision, but they don't tell the complete story because at the end of the day, uh, what you see is to the eye of the beholder. So... Again, your list may be different than ours, but definitely let us, let us know. Do you guys agree with our list? Do you disagree? Do you, What is your top 10? Definitely let, let us know if you guys are interested. Uh, moving on into the next segment of, of this episode, we're going to be continuing with another draft lottery redraft. This time, we're going to be redrafting the 2012 
draft lottery. Now, believe it or not, when we looked at the when we originally thought of this draft, we really thought of it as a pretty lackluster draft, mainly because we had the number one pick in Anthony Davis, and then the other few picks in the lottery weren't that great, you know, there were some really big misses in this lottery, but later on in this draft, there were a lot of sleeper players who went very low in this draft, who are now superstars in the league today, so we're going to be redrafting this lottery, and you'll basically get to see, and just like last last week, we are going to be drafting as if we are, you know, with that team, in 2012 so this is the 2012 at the end of the 2011 2012 season whatever the roster is going into the draft we we would we draft based off of either the need of the team or or we draft the best player available but we definitely look at the current team the team's current situation at that time before we make these picks so obviously this may not be you know based off of who is the best player but it's also based off of the need and we tried to be as realistic as we possibly could with the knowledge that we know today. So, yeah, so pretty much just like how if if the you know the factoring in the talent of the player and of what they became currently and also you know thinking about realistically in terms of what the team at the time would need positionally. Yeah, exactly. So let's start off with the number 1 overall pick. The this pick obviously belonged to the New Orleans uh New Orleans Hornets at the time, but then they became the Pelicans. Uh, and with this pick, New Orleans drafted Anthony Davis. And even till to, till today, the best player in this draft, the most talented player, is Anthony Davis. So if we were to redraft this pick, Anthony Davis is going number one. Still. Yeah, we wouldn't change um, anything pretty much about this pick because, yeah, as you were saying, it makes the most sense. Anthony Davis is still, you know the best player from this draft, uh, you know, one of the great two-way players in the league. Um, and frankly, if we're talking about the New Orleans uh, roster at the time, uh, this roster needed help, frankly. Um, and it was just about pretty much drafting the best player uh, available. So, yeah, Anthony Davis definitely still goes number one. Yeah. So the number two pick belonged to the Charlotte Bobcats at the time, who are now the Charlotte Hornets. And the Horn and the Bobcats originally selected Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Now, obviously, any Charlotte Hornets fan would will tell you that that was probably not a good idea to pick MKG with the number two overall pick. But this team did have some pieces. Now they drafted Kemba Walker last season with their pick, but with this pick, with the number two pick, they obviously want to pair Kemba with. Another talented guard, and again, similar to New Orleans, Charlotte kind of just needed a bunch of everything, so except point guard now, which is why with the second overall pick, we say the the Charlotte Bobcats would have selected Bradley Beal. So yeah, obviously, um, we're talking about when we're talking about this draft. There's like three key. There's the three top players that come to mind: AD, Bradley Beal, and uh, Damian Lillard. So again, this was one of those. Um, picks that was more about you know factoring in the team need so obviously if you want if you were to compare players obviously you know Damian Lillard is the better player um better than uh Bradley Beal but again this Charlotte Bobcats team had just drafted Kemba Walker the year before so factoring that in you have your point guard you know position set so what you need now is pretty much anything else on the roster um and Factoring in that, the best, the next best available player was Bradley Beal um, in this draft. And it gives Kemba Walker, you know, it gives the Charlotte Bobcats a great backcourt pairing of Kemba and Bradley Beal for years to come. Yeah, I mean, this was, again, like you said, it, like this was more of a needs pick. Uh, but again, like I don't think Charlotte would have complained if they picked up Bradley Beal with his number two overall pick. Which brings us to the number three pick in this draft. Now, this pick was... was by the Washington Wizards, who originally selected Bradley Beal. Now, again, similar to Charlotte, Washington already had a young point guard in John Wall. They had, obviously, Rashad, an older Rashad Lewis. They had, you know, some of these pieces that were older. Some of the, Like, obviously, they had JaVale McGee. They had Nick Young. They were kind of in a transitional phase as a team. But, again, I just mentioned Rashad Lewis, who was a small forward, who was definitely aging very aging well at this at this point in his career was pretty much like a power like, four yeah and he was pretty much done like on near the end of his career anyways which is why we believe that the washington wizards would have drafted chris middleton 
with his number three overall pick. And Chris Middleton actually went very low in this draft originally. I believe he went like with the 59th overall pick. Um, Yo, never forget. Um, I don't think it was it was 39, 39. He went 39th to uh, okay. Detroit. Yeah. Never forget that Chris Middleton. Detroit gave up Chris Middleton for like, who was it? I think it was a Brandon Knight. Uh, in a Brandon Knight trade or something like that. Pretty much, they gave him for no. They gave him up for like nothing. Um, yeah. So Chris Milton, Detroit took a fat L. You know, giving up Chris Milton for nothing. Uh, but yeah, if we're talking about again, Damian Lillard is better than Chris Milton. But again, Washington already has their point guard situation set. Um, with John Wall. So if we're talking about the next best player, Chris Milton, you know, a 50-40-90 guy. Well, almost technically. But yeah, uh, pretty much a 50-40-90 guy. One of the best players um, in today's league. Probably like a top 25 pick. I mean, top 25 player for sure. Um, Yeah, and like this Washington team pretty much needed everything besides a point guard. They just drafted JaVale McGee a couple years back. Um, And other than that, their team wasn't looking that great. Um, So yeah, which is why we went with Chris Milton, a swing man. Yeah. And I don't think Washington would complain, especially if their original choice of Bradley Beal was off the board. They they found another gem in Chris Middleton. So I think that's a solid, solid pick. Which brings us to the number four overall pick. Now, this pick obviously belonged to Cleveland because after LeBron left, they became pathetic. And this was the year after Cleveland drafted Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson. So they obviously, again, we discussed in, the, in last week's draft episode where Cleveland really needed, you know, a bunch of everything. The roster really wasn't that great. And they addressed the point guard position with Kyrie Irving and they addressed the big man position with uh, Tristan Thompson. But so we decided to kind of balance things out and kind of go with a player who could not can play alongside both Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson. So we decided to go with Draymond Green with the number four overall pick. Yeah, um, so Cleveland originally selected Dion Waiters, which I will say was not a bad pick, but in hindsight, compared to other players on this list, obviously it's not a great pick. Um, but yeah, so Draymond Green, um, you know, factoring, putting him on this Cleveland roster, I think would be great for Cleveland. Um, you're talking about a guy that Kyrie is more of a two guard in a point guard's body. So I think having Draymond Green run the offense would be beautiful for Cleveland. Draymond Green obviously occupies that you know, point forward kind of role. And then on top of that, him and Tristan Thompson would be a amazing defensive um, front court. Um, you're talking about two guys that can constantly switch on the perimeter or, you know, play in the paint, grab, uh, you know, rebounds, all of that. Two guys that are very athletic um, at their positions. So I think having Draymond Green um, on this Cleveland team would fit perfectly. Yeah, it's definitely more, again, a more of a need pick. But Draymond would definitely fit this Cleveland roster and, you know, would definitely be a good fit. Uh, which brings us to the number five overall pick. And this was a pick that belonged to the Sacramento Kings. Now, the Kings originally selected Thomas Robinson, who didn't really work yeah, out that, that was, well. That was, that was not a great pick. pick. Not a great pick at all. But, again, this was like a Kings team back in 2011-2012 that had DeMarcus Cousins, a young DeMarcus Cousins. They had, obviously, a young Tyreek Evans who was actually very good in that in that period of time. They did draft Isaiah Thomas the year prior, but one thing they were definitely still weak at, weak at was the point guard position. Again, Isaiah Thomas was solid, but his backup was Jimmer Fredette. So I think Isaiah Thomas is more deserving of a—he's he's better at a backup you know, spot exactly. in terms of like a bench bench spark. Yeah, um, he's definitely more of a backup yeah. point guard, a better backup point guard, which is why the Sacramento Kings would select Damian Lillard with the number five overall pick. Now, again, like we said, Damian Lillard is arguably the second best player in this draft class, but he fell to Sacramento with number five to number five because, again, Sacramento needs a point guard, and it just it, it, it just works as a pick for them. Again, you're pairing Damian Lillard with DeMarcus Cousins, who is a talented big. You're giving him a talented swingman in, in Tyreek Evans, who could also handle the ball, so Dame can technically play shooting guard. And then not to mention, you still got pieces like Jason Thompson, Marcus Thornton. You know, you still got some pieces around that team. So there's things that Sacramento would have been able to do if they would have drafted Damian Lillard. Yeah, the Sacramento team was still garbage for the most part. But if you're talking about having Damian Lillard and DeMarcus Cousins with, like, IT and Tyreek, 
there. You're talking about, you know, a nice couple of players, at least. Um, and, you know, you can build off of that. Obviously, the rest of the rotation is garbage. But, you know, starting out with Boogie and Dame is a pretty good pair. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings us to the number six pick, the number six pick in this draft, and that belonged to the Portland Trailblazers. Now, obviously, Portland originally selected Damian Lillard with this pick, who somehow fell to number six. I don't understand how, but he fell to number six. Now, well, I mean, he wasn't the high, most highly touted, tout, touted, what's the word? Touted pick, touted, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he went to, like, Weber State, too, which is a smaller college, so, you know. Obviously, he, he he fell a bit. Yeah, he he felt a bit of a risk, I guess, in 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 some of the top teams' minds. But again, this Portland team was pretty solid. Now, again, you had Lamarcus Aldridge, who was who was great to start his career. You had Nick Batum, solid solid swingman. Uh, you had Wesley Matthews, who was pretty solid in that period of time. You also had Jamal Crawford there for a little bit. Um, Marcus Camby, but the one thing that obviously they were missing was a point guard. However, since Damian Lillard was taken off the board, we decided to look the other direction and kind of see who we can pair in the front court with Lamarcus Aldridge. And we're seeing today, Lamarcus Aldridge is not a center. You know, he he can't. He just doesn't. He's not a player that you want to put in that situation, which is why we feel that the Portland Trailblazers would have drafted Andre Drummond with a sixth overall pick. Because he's a player that can not only fit alongside Lamarcus Aldridge, but he could work in that in that in that system. Yeah. Um. Also, Andre Drummond is probably like the you know the best remaining player. Um. In in the rest of this draft pool, but if we're talking about the Portland Trailblazers, um, I don't know if you remember much about this team, but I watched this team quite a bit. This was the lockout season, Portland Trailblazers, and this team kind of struggled a bit because they're in that middle phase of. After the, you know, the Brandon Roy, Greg Oden kind of era and transitioning into what would become the Damian Lillard, LaMarcus Aldridge era, pretty much. Well, I mean, LA was still was already good, but it would pretty much become transition into the Damian Lillard era. So this team wasn't that great. They had Raymond Felton, who was like, well, if you remember lockout Raymond Felton, this guy was like big as hell, man. This guy was fat. And then uh, Jamal Crawford wasn't the, you know, wasn't in the best he was he was in fine shape but he just didn't play the best ball of his career on that team so this team was just kind of in that in between phase um i think having some young talent injected into that team would work well which is what happened when they drafted damian lillard but obviously with damian lillard coming off the board earlier in our draft um there's not that many good there's not really any more point guards left and which is why we look to the next best player um, and Andre Drummond would fit perfectly in the Portland team. Yeah. So again, I don't think obviously it's not. I don't think this would have been a Portland's ideal pick. But I think if we're looking at fit for the roster and drafting the best player available, I think they would be pretty happy with who they got. Uh, moving on to the seventh overall pick, which belonged to the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Golden State Warriors originally selected Harrison Barnes with this pick, and looking back. And looking at the current landscape of our draft, there's really nobody, no other player who we feel would fit Golden State's roster. Now, obviously, this was a Golden State team that was transitioning away from the Monte Ellis and kind of the We Believe Warriors into the Steph and Clay era. You know, Steph and Clay were, were still drafted drafted to the Warriors, but what they didn't need was a small forward, a guy who can play some solid defense, can spread the floor for Steph and Clay, and Harrison Barnes just is still probably the best pick they could have gotten at number seven so we wouldn't yeah. change that pick exactly and there's no reason to change that pick because of the fact that he's probably the best available player left on this draft pool and also the fact that if you remember Harrison Barnes was a key part of them winning that first championship um and he got paid I don't know if it's you know deservingly but you know he he, he is a good player no doubt about it you know a good two-way player um, he, he, he can fit on any, you know, kind of system. He, he's a good player, and I think it makes the most sense for Golden State to stick with that pick uh, of Harrison Barnes at number seven. Yeah, which brings us to the eighth overall pick. Now, this pick w- ha- belonged to the Toronto Raptors, and the Raptors originally selected Terrence Ross. Now, again, the Raptors were, were in, are in an interesting place 
in 2012. They obviously had DeMar DeRozan. Chris Bosh left the team. DeMar was the franchise player that they were building around. Uh, and the Raptors weren't that great. This was obviously the, the season right before they, they got They were Kyle garbage. Out. They were garbage. Yeah, they were, be pretty, honest. they were pretty trash. I mean, like, they, they were just... Like, again, like, they just, there were so many holes on this roster. I mean, they still had Bargnani on the team. I mean, they had Barbosa, who was pretty fun to watch, in my opinion. Calderon was still pretty solid. They drafted Ed Davis the season prior. But what has always been missing from the Raptors has been a solid uh, small forward. A solid, you know forward that a wing player that you can stick next to DeMar DeRozan who can cover up for some of his defensive def- deficiencies which I will add was probably still a problem up until last season uh that was that was pretty much always a problem that the Raptors had you know uh if you remember you know DeMar Carroll yeah <sighs> I mean like the Raptors obviously tried to to fix that but again it never really worked out for them, which is why we believe that the Toronto Raptors would have selected Jay Crowder with the eighth overall pick. Now, Jay Crowder, as we know, is not the flashiest name on this board. He's not obviously um, not the best player available, but I think if we're looking at overall fit, he really fits what what Toronto has been and what the, the direction they, they're trying to move into. They want a, a defensive-minded player. They want a two-way player, someone who's not going to interfere with DeMar DeRozan, but someone who could also play alongside him as well so i think jay crowder would have been a good pick yeah if we're talking about like you know great role players i think jay crowder has to be mentioned um in that aspect obviously he's bounced around the league a bit but that's more because of the fact that you know i think it's one of those things that like teams want him um you know you're talking about a guy that's very ideal for the modern nba in terms of a three and d guy um stick him on any team and he'll be good uh, I guess besides when he was on the Cavs, because that whole Cavs team just underperformed. But um, yeah, Jay Crowder, I think, will be a good pick for Toronto. Obviously, they got Terrence Ross, which wasn't a bad pick either. But, um, you know, if we're talking about better fit-wise, um, I think Jay Crowder is a good pick. Yeah, and also, like, look how well Jay Crowder turned out, like, played in Boston when he was with the system. Uh, and again, this was the season before Toronto got Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Casey. So who knows if they would have had... Jay Crowder, the ro- like the lineups in the roster would have been completely different. So maybe thing the Raptors defense may have improved, might have improved. So this is definitely definitely one of our more interesting picks of this draft. Which brings us to Detroit with the number nine overall pick. Now Detroit originally selected Andre Drummond, but as we've already established, Andre Drummond has been selected earlier in this draft, which is why. And again, back in twenty twenty twelve, the Pistons really. We're in that kind of transitional phase, trying to get out from the old and sort of start building for the new. Now, they had Brandon Knight, who they were going to trade very soon. Um, and they had, obviously, they Greg Monroe. They, they had Greg Monroe, but they sucked. But, the yeah. one thing, but one thing you do need, because you have Greg Monroe on your team, is obviously a wing player who can spread the floor, which is why we feel that the Detroit Pistons would pick up Will Barton in this draft. Now, again, just like Jay Crowder, he's not the most flashiest name on this board. He's not the guy that's going to turn the most heads. But what he is, is probably a great fit and a good player for the modern NBA. Yeah, um, I think this was just more the best player available, again. Um, because if we're talking about, you know, whoever's left on this board, I think we'd take the Will Barn over the rest of these guys on left on the board. Um, because of the fact that just Detroit was so bad, like they just need they needed everything on this team. They just drafted Greg Monroe. Obviously, in hindsight, we know that didn't work out. But you know, they just drafted him, so they were looking to develop him. And pretty much the rest of it got uh, roster was complete garbage. So you know, adding a player like Will Barn would be great. Obviously, if we're talking about Will Barn, he wasn't that great in his first couple of seasons either. Um, until he got traded to Denver, that's when he really you know. Um, found his way in the NBA, and now we're talking about this season. Will Barn is, you know, he's been one of the, I guess, best scores in the league. Um, best rotate, uh, you know, role playing role player scores, uh, in the league. So I think either way, Will Barn would be a good pick for them. Yeah, it, it definitely would have been a solid pickup for them as a role player. Which brings us to the to the to the tenth overall pick in this draft, and that pick belongs to the New Orleans. Pelicans now obviously the Pelicans selected Anthony Davis with the first overall pick, but now they need to address their their guard their guard position issues. 
Now, again, they did have Eric Gordon. They did have some guards on this team, but Eric Gordon did not want to be here. Eric and Gordon didn't want to play, and that's why he got fat. Yeah. And, and then he got, got injured. And then he got lot. injured with voodoo and shit, so... Yeah. It was exactly, a pretty rough bro. tenure. So, obviously, to replace the production of, of uh, Eric Gordon, I think New Orleans would definitely look towards drafting uh, a guard who can spread the floor for Anthony Davis. Now, originally, they selected Austin Rivers, who... I mean, he, he was wasn't a, he wasn't a good... He, he didn't work out well for New Orleans. Like, obviously, yeah, he, he became a good, a good player later on. Yeah, he became, yeah, he became a, a good player, player later, later on. Um... But obviously, at the time, you know, he wasn't—he wasn't really—he wasn't ready for the, you know, NBA yet. He—he he needed time to develop. Exactly. So he wasn't really a great fit for the for the Pelicans, and which is why we believe that the Pelicans would have selected Evan Fournier. Now, obviously, Fournier is, again, he's kind of the one of the best players available at this point in the draft. Uh, but he's also got a couple of key elements to his game that really makes him valuable. First of all, he can shoot. Maybe not so well so much this season. But in previous years, he's a really solid three-point shooter. He's also a guy who can create his own shot, which is something that we were debating over him and Terrence Ross. Uh, but that's the really main difference between these two players is the fact that Evan Fournier is a player who can create his own shot and Terrence Ross just isn't. And for a team that really lacks creation, like a, 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 a shot creator, I think Evan Fournier would have been a great fit. Yeah, um, Evan Fournier pretty much is like, Obviously, this season, he, has, he hasn't been that great. But, you know, Evan Fournier at his best is a good um, offensive player capable of, yeah, as you said, creating his own shot um, and especially uh, giving some space um, on the floor, providing floor spacing and shooting um, for Anthony Davis. Again, obviously, at this point, it's more of just the best player um, available because this team wasn't that great. It had a lot of solid, I guess, players at the time. But it just wasn't that good, um, which is why I think Evan Fournier probably makes the most sense at this point for the New Orleans uh, Hornets. Exactly. Moving on to the 11th overall pick. Now, this pick belonged to the Portland Trailblazers. Now, again, the Blazers originally drafted Dam- would have drafted Damian Lillard in this draft, and then with this pick would have drafted Myers Leonard. But things have changed. They obviously, in our redraft, drafted Andre Drummond with their first pick in the in the lottery. And with their second pick, we believe that now they're going to be addressing their point guard need, which is why we feel like the Portland Trailblazers would have drafted Austin Rivers with with this pick. Yeah, um, Austin Rivers. Obviously, we talked. We just talked about him. Um, he wasn't really ready for the NBA yet. He probably might have should uh, might have. He probably should have stayed a few more years in college. But you know, I can't fault the guy for trying to get money. Um, yeah, Austin Rivers needed time to develop, but obviously now you can see he's a very good role player. Um, and we we're talking about the Portland roster at the time. Pretty much the one major hole that they had in their um, lineup was the point guard uh, position. Obviously, Damian Lillard in our redraft went before, so they didn't really get to address that. They went with Andre Drummond with their pick. Um, so now, now with um, their with their second pick, they go with uh, a point guard in Austin Rivers. Originally, they did select Myers Leonard, who is an okay player from time to time. I think in Miami, you're seeing you know how valuable he can be in the right situation, um, which is a fact for majority of the NBA players. You know they just need the right situation. But Myers Leonard was never that great, to be honest. So I think Austin Rivers is a good pick from Portland's perspective at this time. Not to mention that Portland's Portland had some talented enough players in Aldridge in. Batum, and obviously with Drummond coming in, and Wes Matthews. But they didn't really need a Damian Lillard type of point guard. Like, they could get away with someone who can be solid, like like an Austin Rivers, who could who we're seeing is solid in a, in, a, in a, obviously, in a limited role. So, decent enough pick with, with what was available for Portland. Which brings us to the 12th overall pick. Now, this pick belonged to the Houston Rockets. Now, originally, the Houston Rockets liked the Jeremy Lamb. And if you remember, Jeremy Lamb was actually part of the trade for James Harden to Oklahoma City. So, Houston actually made that trade in October of 2012. So, after this draft has taken place, which is why this pick still belongs to the Houston Rockets. Now, again, Houston had a... was. 
interesting in 2012. They had Goran Dragic at the time. They had Kyle Lowry, a young Kyle Lowry at the time, backing him up. Not to mention you had you drafted Chandler Parsons last season. Um, there was Kevin also, Martin still on the team. Kevin Martin still on the team. So again, there's still Chase Budinger on the team. There's still pieces on this Houston team. But again, their one weakness that Zeeshan brought up last episode is that their big man rotation wasn't that great. Um, which is why we feel like with the twelfth pick, the Houston Rockets would draft Festus Azili as um, as their new big. Yeah, so if we're talking about the Houston Rockets rotation at the time, obviously you have old Marcus Camby, Samuel D'Alembert is um kind of old at this point too, and then you have Hashim Tabit who is just a bust. Um, you have Luis Scola at power forward, um, who's still you know okay at that point. Um, or I guess maybe. He, he was pretty decent at that point. But he's not a great defender. Um, he was never Yeah, a exactly. Um, pretty much, again, the, the one glaring hole uh, in this roster was the center position, um, which is why we have Fessus Azili. Now, obviously, newer NBA fans won't know who Fessus Azili is because at this point, he's out of the league. But the main reason why he is out of the league is pretty much, you know, the... What was it? The knee injury? The calf? I forget what it Injuries, was. Injuries, yeah. He, he had a, one huge injury and, like, a bunch of, you know, smaller injuries. Pretty much the reason why he's out of the league is injuries. Um, but if you remember, he was a very good player that contributed to Golden State's championships. I think the first, I think two of 2015, 2017. I'm not sure if he was well, on the he left after he left after, before Kevin Durant joined the team. So I'm pretty sure he was, he was definitely part of the first championship. Okay, so the first, the second the first finals run. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. So 2015 and 2016. Um, and if you remember, he was playing a lot of, uh, I don't know if he was exactly starting, but he was playing a lot of major minutes for Golden State and he was a good defender. He, he was a really good defender. He had, he had a major impact on, uh, the success of that team. So Fessas Zili, although he hasn't lasted very long in the league, um, definitely for when he was able to play, uh, he was definitely a good player and a good pickup for Houston. Yeah, definitely. So again, he's a solid rim protector. Definitely would have filled a hole on Houston's roster, especially before they made it, made a trade with James Harden. Which brings us to the 13th pick in this draft, which belonged to the Phoenix Suns, who somehow always end up with the with the 13th pick and pick in every draft with Steve Nash. I don't know. Again, now we're in a Phoenix team that uh, obviously has an aging Steve Nash, who was still solid, still a, a great player in the league. They drafted Marquise Morris last, in last season's draft. Obviously, Grand Hill is definitely aging, but there's still some pieces. Now, this was an Alvin Gentry run team, but Alvin Gentry still likes to run with the ball. He still likes to, you know, m- you know, move the ball, spread the floor. Kind of, he's kind of similar to D'Antoni in that regard. Originally, Phoenix selected Kendall Marshall, who did not work out for them. He sucked. Yeah, he sucked. He was he was pretty bad. But we feel that Phoenix really needed a player who could spread the floor. And kind of take some load off of an aging Grand Hill. So we feel like with the 13th pick, Phoenix would select Terrence Ross. Again, this was more of one of those picks where it's just like, at this point, it's, you know, best player available kind of thing. But I think Terrence Ross would definitely, you know, um, fit on any team in the modern NBA. Uh, a guy who can... the uh, A guy who the idea of Terrence Ross was always better than the actual player Terrence Ross, but... You know, at this point now, what Terrence Ross has become is still a, you know, a pretty decent role player, uh, for the Magic. So a guy that can shoot, you know, that has some athleticism, can slash once in a while. Ideally, could play some defense, although for some reason it's never really clicked on that side of the floor. Um, but yeah, we're talking about this Phoenix team. I guess the main r- really big hole is at their shooting guard position. Um, but yeah, this whole team was pretty much aging. Um, I guess the only bright spot, I guess, of this team was at this point, Marcin Gortat and I guess Steve Nash, who was like, you know, almost done again at this point. Um, but yeah, it, it, Terrence Ross probably makes the most sense for uh, the Phoenix Suns at the 13th spot. Yeah, he definitely fits their fits their system and what they were trying to do. Which brings us to the last pick in the in the 2012 lottery, which belonged to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now the Bucks originally selected John Henson, but this was a Bucks team that was 
pretty solid at the time. Like you had Brandon Jennings when he was really good. You had Arisani Lyasova, who was really good at the time. You still had Andrew Bogut, solid big man. Um, I believe there was one other player. Well, they you had, had a, a young, they had a young Luke and Balmute. They had, they had a prime, prime Larry San, Larry Sanders, who was, yeah, if you remember, for those like two three years, he was pretty good, and then he pre, he pretty much quit. Um, you know, because of mental health issues, which is, you know, that's all good. But those two, three years where he was at his prime was, he was really good on the defensive side of the ball. Not to mention that, um, I think, uh, was it this, they have Monte, yeah, so they had just traded, this was a season season that Monte Ellis got traded uh, to Milwaukee yep. as well. Um, and you also have a young Tobias Harris, which obviously they later on traded um, so, you know, who knows what happens with that pick. But either way, what, what we're pretty much saying is Milwaukee had a pretty solid roster, to be honest. Um, I think this is the year that they faced a one-seeded Miami uh, in the playoffs, and I'm pretty sure this was the year that Brandon Jennings pretty much said, oh, we can sweep LeBron. Um, <laughs> it it happened out. the other way. It happened the that other way. Miami swept them. Yeah. <laughs> But the um, point is, like, this was a team solid enough to pretty much make the playoffs. Um, so, which is why we decided to go with Mo Harkless um, as Milwaukee's pick. Now, obviously, they went with John Henson at the time. It's kind of not that good. Especially um, when Mo you Harkless, had Bogut and Ilyasova. Like, it didn't really make sense to select yeah, John Henson. exactly. But, yeah, but like, we're talking about Mo Harkless, uh, you know, an ideal guy for the modern NBA, you know, who can, well, quote-unquote, 3 and D kind of guy, although, you know, his shooting has not really been that great. Uh, but when he was at his best in Portland, I think you really saw the value of him in the right position um, and in the right spots. Uh, he was a really valuable player. And again, this is all before the Giannis sweepstakes kind of happened. That actually all starts in next season's draft. But again, Mo Harkless, solid enough player. I think he can fit this, this, this roster that was pretty talented at the time and could have maybe produced for this team so definitely a solid pickup with the 14th overall pick but that was our redraft of the 2012 nba draft lottery let us know what you guys think were you surprised about anything were you not surprised about anything did you really hate something or did you really love something definitely let us know what you guys think this was obviously an interesting uh lottery to redraft for us as well but definitely let us know what you guys think and finally we're going to be ending this episode off with the up and under segment um, obviously the first headline news that kind of happened earlier today was the passing of Jerry Sloan, uh, coach for Utah, uh, solid coach. Obviously he passed away. Well, one of the great coaches to be honest. Like, yeah, he was I think one of he's the probably, I think he's probably the greatest coach to probably never win a ring. I oh, think man. off the top There's of my so head, many of those. I think, yeah, but off the top of my head, I think that would probably be it. But, um, yeah, you know, Jerry Sloan, if you watched, um, you know, before, I think he retired and he retired with the whole Darren Williams situation, which ironically enough, Darren Williams talked about today. He, uh, he talked about how, um, I think he, he said something along the lines of, uh, he would never be able to forgive himself if he never reconciled with Jerry Sloan. So at least, you know, um, they they were cool, you know, in his last moments. Um, but yeah, Jerry Sloan, very unfortunate. Um, uh, he was a great coach, you know, great guy uh, a lot of people always talked about how you know how great of a person he was uh not to mention how great of a coach and you know obviously he had his time as a player in the nba as well so you know rest in peace to jerry sloan yeah rest in peace to jerry sloan but moving on to some of the COVID 19 updates that have happened over the last week or so first of all so that's all just bang them out so are you up or under on Disney World emerging emerging as a top destination to resume the NBA season. Uh, NBA teams are expecting uh, season guidelines, so guidelines to resume the season by June 1st. Mark Cuban saying the NBA should consider group seats for people who isolate together. And finally, some NBA teams want to report directly to potential game sites you know, some of those teams being Toronto, Boston, New York, some of the more highly affected teams. So are you up or under on some of these updates that are happening around the league? Well, I guess I'm I'm up on these updates just because of the fact that, you know, it seems like the league is progressing. 
um, into a mode where they are able to continue operations and, you know, continue the season, which is, I think, a great thing. Now, obviously, um, you know, you always want to be safe with it, which, you know, if we trust anybody to do the right thing, it's definitely Adam Silver out of all people. Um, so obviously they'll, you know, they'll be safe about it and, you know, they'll, they'll take all the required measurements before doing anything. But, you know, we've seen, uh, practice facilities open up and like limited quarantine, um, quarantine, uh, you know, practice sessions and player workouts being held. So I think all in all, I think it's very positive news. So again, uh, one thing I do want to get your take on i want to get your take on two things actually before we move off this subject i want your take on the mark cuban thing the mark cuban quote where he said that the nba should consider group seats for people who isolate together now the state of florida has actually allowed uh spectators i think it was up to it's either up to a hundred or a thousand i again i know it's a really wide margin but i remember reading something in that in that line but basically well, of course it's florida yeah, of course it's Florida, but again, since Disney World is emerging as a top destination, I don't. I can actually see a way for fans to be in attendance and still be safe about it. Now, obviously, if you're, I think the NBA could limit the number of tickets sold, obviously, to play to, pe- to teams and people to people, and they can spread people out. You know, unless you're you're a family and you want to sit together, you know, you can that can be arranged, but. Everyone else can be completely spread out. Obviously, you're going to keep enough distance away from the players and from everybody else. But I think there's a way to definitely get some spectators in there. So at least the atmosphere won't be entirely empty. And fan- and the re- NBA would still benefit off of off of ticket revenue as well. So Yeah, um, I, I had actually thought about that before. Um, that, that thought occurred to me when I was thinking about, like, uh, I was watching... a. I was reading about like movie theaters and that's probably what they're going to do as well. Um, because obviously all the revenue comes from, you know, spectators. So how would you deal with, um, you know, people in the movies, uh, trying to watch the movies and all that. So you would probably have to have like a couple seats apart from, uh, each person, which I think you could do that in an arena. Obviously there's a lot of, you know, different factors and all of that, but it's definitely an interesting thought, I think. Um, and then also the point on, uh, you know, the Disney World point um, about, uh, you know, having games in a quarantine site. Uh, I think ideally that would be a good thing. But again, you know, when we're, you've heard players talk about having a quarantined, um, you know, in one site kind of resuming play in that fashion. And most of them have been against it because of the fact that, you know, and in all fairness to them, they they want to be with their families. They want to be able to move around. They want to be, you know, they don't want to play the season if it means going away from their families or, you know, being pretty much locked in one place uh, for the whole season. So ideally, that would be a great thing, um, having one destination or whatever, a few destinations. But I don't really see that working out, to be honest. But there's also one more thing that I will I do want to point. Out. I know we're running out of time here, but again, there's some NBA teams, especially the teams who are currently in, like who have their players not in the the home cities. They don't want to report back to their 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 home city and then come to Orlando where they're going to be having to face a 14 day quarantine. This particular player is Kyle Lowry, who doesn't want to go to Toronto, who is obviously a very affected area, and like players in New York. You know, they just want to just have all their players meet them in Orlando so they don't have to worry about that. You know? I guess, yeah, that is the flip side of it, uh, for sure. So, you know, you have situations like the, you know, Kyle Lowry and stuff. Um, obviously, like guys in like Toronto or New York who play in those markets, which are, you know, very heavily affected by the coronavirus. So I think you do have the flip side of it. But I think, I think you know, you have to consider both sides of it. Um, which is why there is no ideal or perfect situation or solution in this situation, I think. So we're, we're just going to have to pretty much wait and see what Adam Silver decides to do. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they pretty much could just shut it down and, you know, say that's it for the whole season, um, which is still a possibility. So, you know, either way, I guess we'll just wait and see what uh, the NBA and Adam Silver uh, are going to do. 
Yeah, yeah. So moving on, are you up or under on the recent trade rumors of Bradley Beal being traded to the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, I'm very under on it because Bradley Beal was supposed to be our player. If we've, you know, we've been talking about this for years about Bradley Beal coming to Toronto. Plan B um, is what I what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do not want this guy going to Brooklyn. No. Um, because that's that's like, bro. That's we literally got rid of the you know three man super teams, bro. We literally got rid of that. I don't want to bring it back so quickly. I know it's gonna come back at some point, but like, bro, not this quickly, man. Especially you know Bradley Beal, Kyrie, and KD. Uh, that's too much scoring, bro. That's I don't want to see that. Um, especially the fact that Brooklyn plays in our division in Toronto's division, bro. I do not want to see that team with those three guys. Uh, like, bro, I'm I'm hella under on it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't like disagree with that. I mean, obviously, I think, and I think it's a big it's a big risk for Brooklyn trading away some of, like ta- some of their talent just to get another star. When again, you haven't really seen what you have with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at this point in time. So I would definitely hold off on that. Not to mention the offensive fit. You know, you have one yeah, ball that too. at the end of the day, and we're seeing the issues with you know Kyrie and like Karis Silver and Spencer Dinwiddie already. If you want to add KD and Bradley Beal, I think that's going to complicate it a lot more. So, you know, I think if I'm Brooklyn too, I'm not really keen to do that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know about the fit. Uh, moving on, are you up or under on the fact that Jared Dudley says that the Lakers will keep uh, their stars, LeBron and AD in a bubble? Pretty much they're saying... He pretty much he was saying that they're gonna keep them like safe and like away from the rest of the team and they're gonna do whatever they they're gonna give them star treatment. Um I'm up on that. <laughs> I mean I think every organization is gonna try their best to keep their star players as healthy as they possibly can. Or actually all their players, but in particularly their stars. So I'm not surprised that they're going <laughs> that that the Lakers are going to keep their two best players as healthy as they possibly can, especially if they have a chance to win a championship. Like I I I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, this is like this is like this is why I really I I like Jared Dudley um as a player and you know as a dude in our league uh in this league uh, even when like fans don't like Jared Dudley or whatever you know this is why he always gets those jobs because he's that good of a teammate and he says stuff like this or he stands over his teammates um so yeah this this is just like one of the reasons why I like Jared Dudley to be honest. Yeah, and finally, to end off this episode, are you up or under on Vince Carter saying that the GOAT debate should wait until LeBron retires? I guess I'm up on it, um, even though it's not going to happen because people are going to talk. But I think it's, it is unfair, I guess, to LeBron because you're comparing a dude whose legacy is already set to LeBron who's still building his legacy. And, you know, you never know. Either, you know, LeBron can maybe never win again or maybe he wins, you know, like three championships. You you know, you can't, you can't know. So I think, I think the whole GOAT situation, the whole GOAT conversation is kind of useless at this point because of the fact that people are, people can't have like a civil discussion about it and people like get all butthurt and stuff over it. And most of the people that are having these conversations can't be uh, objectionable about it or like, you know, present proper points about nobody can have like a civil discussion to be honest about this debate which is why i'm kind of over this whole debate um yeah like i i don't know man i mean honestly i think again a lot of people who support lebron in this situation are going to say that lebron's career isn't over you know you can't really compare that which again i do somewhat agree with but again the media is going to talk about this because lebron has publicly stated that he is chasing uh, he's chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. So, um, you know, obviously, again, like this debate is highly subjected to your own personal opinion, what era of basketball you watch. So, um, yeah, but I do think the real debate should be he- kept for when LeBron eventually retires, which at this point, we don't even know how long that's going to be. So, well, he's yeah. waiting for Bronny to get to Lee. So that's at least another six more years. <laughs> well, eh, like four, four, four more years. Yeah, four to five, but depending on uh, when Brown. Well, if he's good enough to get there, 
But I think just because of his name, he'll get there. So Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, with that, that concludes this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UpletterNUnderPod if you want to see our latest updates about you know, news as they occur or when we post an, post an episode. Uh, also, check out the website UpAndUnderPodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. If you guys want to read some blog posts about every single episode, uh, definitely check that out as well. And finally, just stay safe. Obviously, keep following the health and safety guidelines. I know things are starting to ease up, but it's not over yet. So we'd rather not let this thing get worse. Uh, So definitely just continue to follow the health officials, and hopefully we'll get through this soon. And with that, we'll see you guys all in the next episode. Take it easy. Easy.